This is Paul Herman, the Prince of Motivation and also host of Zaka Presents My Journey. We're creating this vulnerable and positive platform where you get inspired and motivated from different leaders from our community. Today's guest is Sana Soni. Welcome to the show, Sana. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for having me. Very exciting. Yes, no, no, no. I'm excited. And I know the listeners are going to be very excited to kind of hear the story and hear so much about you and just traveling and what you're doing now. I know before I even get into like the nitty gritty of it all, I really want to just kind of get into this right here because I was very fascinated by your, your bio. You know, I've known that you have traveled and lived in different countries, you know, um, in your time before you actually settled in D.C. Could you just kind of explain some of those countries where you lived and uh, along that journey? Yeah, absolutely. I was born in India uh, and my father saw an opportunity um, when I was about three years old in Hungary. So we moved out there, very few Indians out there. And we uh, continued with being very Indian out there, also assimilating a little bit, found a community, lived there for 15, 16 years, uh, became citizens, uh, most importantly became European Union citizens. And then I went to UCLA in California and came back to Europe about 10 years ago uh, to to be able to work without, you know, visa problems um, and lived in London for nine years. So then that's where I met my partner and we have now moved to DC for his job. (laughs) Oh, wow, wow. Out of all the places that you lived in, you know, could you tell me a place that you, it's the most memorable? Um, only from a historical perspective, I have to talk about Hungary because um, it was the 90s. They're coming out of uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. It was it was just a strange time to be an immigrant there. Um, I was looked at funny quite a bit. Uh, thankfully, never experienced too much discrimination that I know of. But definitely the funniest was when someone asked us if we were Chinese. Um, just wow. an idea of how how closed off the society had been. So the more, the further I get away from it time-wise, the more I learn about what an interesting situation it was for us to be living there. And when you were growing up in these other, were traveling to these different places and countries, did you feel like you guys fit in? Was there a community, an Indian community that you guys were affiliated with? I know that when you obviously arrive in a country, you know, one of the things that you're always looking for is possibly who speaks like you, who looks like you. Was it very hard to find that when you were traveling? I have to say, unfortunately, I don't remember because I was so small. I don't remember how my parents met these Indian folks, but there were very, very few of them. And for years later, uh, later on, if anyone said, I know an Indian family in Hungary, we would, it would turn out that we knew them too, because there are just such few of us. Um, but there, it was a strong community. We would see each other every weekend. We'd go to Vienna for the nearest Indian uh, grocery store. <laughs> we didn't have one in Budapest. We do now, run by my old best friend's mom. Um, but we back then didn't. And we used to have our own Diwali parties and our own Indian Independence Day celebration. And we, you know, we kept it going and shared a lot of VHSs of Bollywood movies. Mm, Yes, you got to go back to the VHS. That was a good time right there. (laughs) (laughs) Pop that right into your VCR and you were ready to go. Um, (laughs) 
now when it comes down to this those those days obviously your parents have influenced you and inspired you during that time is it something you've taken away from your parents um during that time you know obviously it was very hard growing up being the of that only indian culture you know and trying to find you know individuals that were in that community so they could kind of expose you to that as well too is there anything you take away from your parents any values that you've taken away from them oh yes i mean I have to say like so many other immigrants uh, whose parents were the first generation, you really just learn so much about the value of sacrifice. You you can see it. Um, and you, of course you can see it even more looking back when you're older, how much they sacrificed, how hard it was for them to have to learn this very strange language. It is really one of the hardest languages out there. And how, yeah, how hard they worked to make sure that my sister and I had a good life. Um, and how much we owe them for that. And uh, there's a huge difference in the way I live, thanks to what they did for us. So I'm, I'm taking from them the values of hard work and discipline that I hope to keep applying to my life. So now you have spoken to us about your family members. Now let's talk a little bit more about you actually going away to school. Now, why did you choose UCLA? I chose it because I wanted to be in film. I wanted to do Hollywood. And I'm very lucky that I was able to do that all the way from Hungary. I went right over. It was between USC and UCLA, but I'm, I'm really glad I made that decision to go to UCLA. I had the best time. It really was just like in the movies <laughs> that I'd uh, seen. I didn't have much experience with America, but I'd seen so much of it in movies and TV. Mm -hmm. And did you do your undergrad? Did you do a grad program there as well? I did an undergrad and then I did a certificate program, which was mm -hmm. evenings and weekends. Okay. Okay. Now, how was the, how was that program for you? What did you, did you feel like you were the only minority within that program? Like, how did it look like in those classrooms for you? Um, it was thankfully very nice and mixed, uh, which I was not used to coming from Eastern Europe. Um, uh, UCLA has a, a lot of Asians and we had Maybe not a huge um, variety in the different people and their heritage, but we had lots of Asian and Hispanic kids. So basic and some Indian kids off, you know, from my memory. So that's kind of how it was for me. Um, so I always felt very comfortable being around lots of diversity and I was happy mm -hmm. to have that. And it's so good that a lot of those classmates that I, um, came up with it's so great to see them succeeding now mm -hmm. now you mentioned a key word diversity what does diversity mean to you and how has it impacted your life in your career um obviously it means equal representation to me I'm still working it out within myself um whether that should mean quite literally if you want to think about it in numbers should it mean let's say if you have a film um that the cast should be 100% representative of the community in which it was made? Should it reflect the viewership of a different community? Um, how much of that, you know, diversity that you see in the community or the country, how much of that should be reflected in the crew? That all is something I'm personally working out in my mind in terms of what I think is fair. I don't know if I've really arrived at a conclusion and I'm sorry, I don't remember your other question. 
No, how does it, how has diversity, like how have you seen diversity within the field that you're in right now? You know, obviously, like you said, you, when you were in school, it was very, you were very blessed to be in a very diverse setting. Do you feel like the industry that you're in right now, especially being out in Hollywood, do you feel like it's very diverse? Do you see a lot of individuals that look like you as well within your culture? I know you mentioned that there was a small um, group of Indian, uh, Indian community at UCLA while you were going to school. Did you, how do you feel about it currently right now in diversity? Um, so I never connected too much with the Indian community out there. For some reason, or at least the kids at school there, I just couldn't, generally our values didn't match up. So instead I sought out the Hungarian group, which was so tiny and we, our values matched up, matched up a little bit more there. But um, in terms of work out in the UK, when I was working for so long, it was um, mostly uh, white English people and lots of Europeans and Eastern Europeans like Polish people and a little less diversity. And this is something that the UK is tackling quite head on. And I'm very happy about that with tons of initiatives and schemes from private and government organizations to uh, even out these numbers and to be more representative of what the population of the UK looks like. I'm very, very happy to see that. Um, Here uh, in my job currently in the US, I'm very happy to say that we have such a diverse mix of people at the company and it's so wonderful to log on and look at our company meetings and our big Zoom meetings where we see a variety of colors and different kinds of people. It makes me so happy. Um, and I feel more comfortable and uh, more at home that way. Well, you've been around the world, so you've been exposed <laughs> to a lot of cultures and, and definitely the word diversity has traveled with you in the many um countries that you visit. Now, could you explain a little bit more about your position and what you do at your company? You know, I'm, I'm very intrigued to know, and I know the listeners as well too, if you kind of break down a little bit more about what you actually do at your company. Yes, I, I really, really enjoy it. It's what I do is maybe not too glamorous, but in the day-to-day, but it's the best place to be to highlight and to get films out there that are made by independent filmmakers sometimes in lower budgets, uh, because these are the films that rarely get seen and rarely get marketed. You mostly know about the big studio blockbusters. So to be helping out and bringing money to both us and the independent filmmakers is a blessing. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what we do in a nutshell, but my job is in sales. I take our giant catalog of movies, and um, send them to ad-supported platforms that you might find on your phone, your smart TV, or on your web browser. Hmm. Wow, 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 okay. So you get to see the movies before they even come out. Yeah, yeah, when I have time. That's one of my favorite things. That's kind of why I got into movies and working in movies. I love being able to see things before they come out because out in Eastern Europe, we had to wait six months sometimes. That would infuriate me as a kid. And I was just about to ask you that question because I know when I was traveling myself, you know, I used to be like, oh, look, rush hour is out. And it was like two years later. I'm like, why is rush hour playing? And like, it just came out. You know, being in different uh, communities and different uh, co- um, countries, you you get to see how like sometimes the lag 
to get things from one place to another. So now you're on a, in, a, in an actual environment and in industry where you actually get to see the stuff firsthand and uh, before it actually comes out to the public. So that's a, a really good thing. Now, being a woman um, in your field and having this leadership uh, role, obviously you have to have thick skin. You have to obviously give a lot of direction. You know, could you explain to the listeners a, a moment in time where, you know, your leadership, where you had to kind of step into it a little bit more, your role, and how'd you, how'd you go about it? There have been many times, I can't think of any specific time, but there have been many times where I may have been in a boardroom or meeting with only men. And um, there's a minute, a, a, a moment where it kind of pops into your head. Um, oh, this is happening. And there's a moment of pride, but I try to put that aside and try to treat it as normally as possible and try to just um, act like, and not act like, but become just another person. And generally that works, especially when it's a busy meeting, we have a lot to discuss. And I'm not sure that's the right attitude. Maybe it's something I should focus on and think about and realize that this is good. This is a wonderful thing. I am the only woman here or I'm the youngest here. And um, I'm very proud of that fact. I'm proud of that, um, that I've achieved it for myself, but I'm also proud that it is possible today. So that has happened quite a bit, um, and I'm looking forward to it hopefully not happening much more. As time has gone on, I have seen more and more women in these meetings, and that makes me very, very happy. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you you obviously are one of the first within your community or maybe within your your company where you are actually in that environment and you're in those meetings. I know at times you, you're probably, it, it, since you just, you just, like you just mentioned, you don't even notice it because you're just so openly like inviting to everyone. But obviously that is the harsh reality that's out there. There's not enough, you know, sometimes a, a certain demographic or individual, whether it be male or female in that room, in those, in, sorry, in those rooms or in those meetings. So you to be there, you know, I know obviously you're going to inspire a lot of the listeners to kind of you know, step up into those leadership positions. And I know it's, it's very hard, you know, because you know, depending on the situation, you know, the amount of things that you have to go to to get there. But the things that you've learned and picked up from your parents, you know, that about that, how they fought hard and struggled to do certain things, it obviously has been embedded in you. And as, as you can see, it's actually working within your career. So kudos to your family members for, you know, mm -hmm. dropping them gems off early in the game with you. <laughs> I will say it, it's, it, there, is, there are moments of underconfidence and insecurity which um, used to happen a lot more. And with time, with uh, more work, the more experience that tends to fall away, but it still comes back here and there. And I just have to remind myself that everyone feels this, even men who are much older will be feeling this and that many of them have just learned to kind of suppress it. And unfortunately, yeah. you really just do have to suppress it, especially when you have sure. a lot of work to do and you have yeah. a lot, you have goals and targets for yourself and for your company. And I have really liked that process. I have liked looking back and saying, oh, even four years ago, three years ago, I wasn't as confident. I would have been afraid to speak up. I wish I'd spoken up more. I was right. Mm -hmm. Or I thought of that a while ago. I should have said something. Um, and so it's totally a journey. Well, you definitely are speaking it out loud now. So kudos to you and congratulations on that. Because obviously stepping up, sometimes people get complacent, especially if they feel 
like they don't relate or they don't connect with their community and they just kind of stay where they are. But you've kind of inclined up that ladder and you're still going to be doing that in many years to come. You know, now we're talking about, you know, the industry and about immigrants and stuff. How do you see immigrants within the industry that you're in right now? Like, how do you see them behind the camera or even, you know, in front of the camera? How is that when you look at it? It has definitely increased. And I'm very, very happy that there are very strong initiatives across many organizations and companies to be more representative of the country and how what it looks like and to show them both in front of the camera and to hire them behind the camera. It shows that people are trying. I can't be sure that all their intentions are always good. A lot of times these intentions come from just trying to ride a trend and look a certain way rather than it coming from a real place. But whatever the intention is, it seems to be working. Um, I'm seeing more and more companies like Netflix hiring very, very talented people of color who otherwise would have been, I believe, looked over uh, because there is a competent white man. And so that makes me very happy to see that it's there's a lot of opening up that's happening. And there's a whole lot of mentorship and support that I'm seeing. I just spoke to a mm-hmm. really great producer and director today of documentary filmmakers who is all about making films about women and has mentorship programs and initiatives just for women. And wow. these kinds of things are just so inspiring. So and those things, and it's, it's funny you say that. Well, I want to say funny, but in a sense of like, it's, it is exciting to see that those things are actually coming to the forefront now and that there are more people who are offering those types of things. Because you, like you said, some people, like you even mentioned about yourself, you know, not speaking up when you had that voice, right? You yes. know, now that young individual who's doing this, you know, it's it's going to, you know, spearhead somebody else to do it. And then you have more mentorship. And we already know how it goes in the game of life. Like having a really good mentor you know, would would truly help. Do you have a mentor yourself? Not currently, not a specific mentor, but I have tons of great people I can turn to who are who are inspiring and who have come a long way or I just see as super talented. And okay. uh, I'm, I'm always turning to them and having great relationship or great conversations with them. And mm-hmm. I love sharing them around. There have been younger, especially women who have come to me and I love to connect them to these people. Mm-hmm. I might consider mentors or to connect them to people who might help them out. And it feels great to pay it forward that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. I always tell individuals who are artists at the end of the day, you're not an artist until you can, you actually contribute back to the art. Like, I feel like that is that. the ultimate, ultimate thing. Cause you could be like, yeah, I'm an artist. I'm a singer. I'm a producer. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm like, what did you do to contribute to the art is the next question. You know, um, and some people they're so self-centered within themselves that they don't even think about those things. They're like, I just I think about me, they're opportunists, but you're you're taking your leadership role and you're actually spreading it out to several different individuals and you're connecting the dots if you can't even do it yourself. So that is amazing, you know, right there. I I 
when you mention about, you know, you get to see these movies firsthand, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about it right now. You know, you have a lot of these independent filmmakers that are dropping these videos, movies off to you guys. You know, is there something that you would recommend right now to like an independent filmmaker that's coming up in the game, who's trying to get, you know, notice, seen, you know, get their movie out there? Is there any type of advice that you could, you know, pass on to them? Oh, um, yes, whatever you're making, let's say it's a film, because that's my experience. Uh, make sure you have the right intentions behind it and that you work towards those goals. Um, have a plan for, um, I'm going to finish this feature film in a year and I am going to spend a certain amount on it and no more. And my goal with this film is to get as many people to see it as possible, or it's to make as much money as possible, or it's to submit it to, make, to festivals and have it win lots of awards. So to have a very specific goal is the most important thing. And as a dancer, you'd probably know more about um, how it applies to other art like dance or singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I think clear goals and being very honest with yourself, why you're doing this and is it truly what makes you happy? You have to know that this is what makes you happy because it's so hard to have a career in the arts or entertainment industry. You're not Mm -hmm. gonna earn as much as you would if you were a lawyer or in finance. You have to come to peace with that and you have to be realistic that you're not gonna suddenly fall into millions and that the chances of that are so low. So as long as you know that, but you still want to continue it, that's great. And that is probably, like you mentioned, is probably one of the hardest things you have to come to the realization. Now, it obviously there are, a lot of successful people within the arts and entertainment, you know, industry that are making millions and millions of dollars. But, you know, starting off, it's not like you get a salary right at the top. You walk in, you're like, okay, I'm in the arts. I'm working check to check. I'm trying to figure it out, you know. So it is something that's very, you know, discouraging at first. But, you know, obviously for someone that you're passing it on to the filmmaker, I think, like you mentioned, having clear goals and expectations along the journey, it's going to be a major help. I've realized that within my career as well. And I know that that is something as an artist or with, or someone within the entertainment industry, definitely setting those clear goals and knowing what the expectation is from getting to that goal. It truly would help. Yeah, absolutely. And, And even unfortunately, this isn't great news, but even after you've been working at it for years and maybe loving what you do, there's a good chance you still won't come into millions or make so much money or maybe even make enough money to live off of that. That's the hard part. And that's partially why I'm in the business side of showbiz <laughs> because it's a you know permanent full-time job. That's right, get some benefits in there. <laughs> now, could you tell, I said you get some benefits with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like a bit of a pop out, but I think I love what I do. <laughs> Yes, yes, no, it, it definitely shows. And it's it, obviously from this interview, I could hear it in your voice about how you, and you you obviously care about it as well because you're, you're connecting dots to people. You know, could you tell us a little bit more about myth control and how you, how that came about? Oh, absolutely. We thought, um, wow, we have so much talent that we know. And it's a strange time when everyone's at home. We don't really know what to do with ourselves. Some of us who are lucky. Um, we know so many actors who are sitting at home we have so much to say. Why don't we get a group together and um, do something? 
whether that's a idea or treatment that we flesh out for a series or a movie or just make it. Um, so it was crazy and we decided to just go for it and had a script written up with a talented group of about 25 people all over the world within a matter of weeks. And uh, we first talked about it like at the very end of March and by June we were in production, remote production, um, sending a camera around to our actors whom we taught to use and we did their hair and makeup remotely as well, told them how to dress their set and they went off and shot it with us uh, looking on from Zoom and video conferencing. So mm. wild ride, but it was beautiful. Um, and it is finally finished. And we have been actively shopping it around to streaming platforms to see how we can get it up somewhere. And we have taken the third episode out as a short and we'll be uh, submitting it to festivals. It's called Amy Victoria. And it's a beautiful story about two deaf women in a relationship during quarantine. Mm, mm, mm. And well, I know a lot of great stories. I know we lost a lot of amazing people through that time. And it, you know, it's it definitely been a hard, and we're still going through it, our country and around the world. But there has been amazing stories that have come from this. And, you know, right now, a lot of them are coming to the light where people are kind of saying, well, this happened during the pandemic. And this is what I did. You know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that that short film or even, you know, those things that you guys are submitting in regards to the festivals, because I know it will inspire a lot of people because this is a history for all of us, you know, for it the is. people who are living in, you know, and it's I when I do have my conversations with individuals, I always say, you know, the biggest question that's going to happen or come up is what did you do during this time? You know, mm -hmm. did you go left? Did you go right? Did you stand still? You know, were you looking for a handout? Were you creating your own opportunities? You know, how, what did you do? And I feel like you've actually done a lot and you're still doing a whole lot. And I know we're not even out of this pandemic, but amazing, amazing, amazing job. You know, is there anything, you know, to kind of finish off on this interview, is there anything you want to kind of pass on to the listeners? I know the Zaka community is, is very happy to have you on the show and hear from you and hear about your journey and about, you know, again, your family and about where you went to school and your job, your profession, you know, is there anything you want to kind of leave the listeners off with? Um, I would say any advice is just work hard, work very, very hard and, but be very, very honest about how the system can be stacked up against you and uh, any little bit of that you can give back, again, as Paul said, is, is wonderful because it will make a difference, right? Uh, whether that's, you know, voting, volunteering, passing on any knowledge, mentoring, these things are all wonderful. And even if uh, you're very, very busy, those things will all help you as much as they help the other person that you're helping out. No, thank you so much, Sana, for sharing that information and obviously sharing your story with us. Again, listeners, if you want to hear more stories like Sana, you know, check us out on ZakaConnect.com or follow our feed, Zaka, wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, Sana, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We look forward to hearing more about your story and following your journey. Again, congratulations on all your things you've been doing. And I look forward to hopefully dance with you soon, young lady, at some point in time. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you for having me.